Well, good morning. Welcome to Kamiki Christian. My name is Jerry. I'm one of the pastors. If you have your Bible today or your phone or whatever app you use to read the Word of God, I want to encourage you to turn to Joshua chapter 24, beginning in verse 14. That's Joshua chapter 24, beginning in verse 14 in the Old Testament. Hey, as you're going there, uh, have you ever watched someone uh, making a mistake, like making a really bad choice? Uh, years ago, uh, when I was in college, I was in a fraternity, yes, and God's already forgiven me for that. But all that to say that one time these guys needed or wanted to move a couch downstairs into the lower thing, and they didn't want to uh, go by the stairs. Now, I didn't have a picture to take at that time, but I found this one on the internet, which accurately represents the situation. This is kind of how it was. They decided to do this. Now, most guys in that kind of a situation, uh, their judgment isn't super great. The guys on the top are going, you got this. And the guys at the bottom are going, we got this. Did they have it? No, it ended very badly, very, very badly. And of course, now in retrospect, you look at a picture like this and you think, what were they thinking, you know? Were they thinking at all, you know? But honestly, in retrospect, I have another thought. How could they have avoided a bad decision to begin with? Or flip it around, okay, flip it. How can you make the right decision in the first place? so as to avoid the consequences of bad choices. You know, life is full of choices. In the passage that we're going to look at today, and actually the longer passage, which begins in Joshua chapter 23, the Bible tells us that Joshua, who had been leading the nation of Israel for decades, had come near to the end of his life. The scripture tells us that he was old. He was 110 years old. But he wanted to take time, so he gathered all the people, and he wanted to take time to review their history as a people so that he could explain to them and remind them of the importance of keeping God at the center, not only of their own personal lives, but of their nation. I want to look at this passage together today because, of course, we have been reviewing our own history as a church, if you've been with us these last several weeks, we've been taking time to look back at all the faithfulness, the goodness, the strength, the blessings of God in our church over the last X amount of decades. And I just found this passage in the Old Testament to be particularly applicable to us today. So let's look at these few verses beginning in Joshua chapter 24, beginning in verse 14. It says, Now fear the Lord. And serve him with all faithfulness. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I consider it a real privilege and also a responsibility to, in giving this message this weekend. Why? Because I had the opportunity to know Pastor Harold Gallagher, Mark's father. And he not only performed the wedding for Dawn and I almost 40 years ago, but he was really my mentor in many ways in ministry. But I also knew Pastor Ron and worked with him for, knew him for the better part of, well, 
well over 40 years as well, but in particular in the most recent time period. But one of the things that I realized that has made Kaimiki Christian who and what it is today is because of choices that were made along the way. These rocks, if you want to remember, represent the 12 stones that the nation of Israel were to put up as memorials, as a remembrance of all the things that God had done for them so that when their children and their grandchildren asked, why are these stones here, that the people of Israel could explain to them, these were here because this is what God did for us. So in a similar way, I want to talk about the power and the importance of choice today and making the right choice so that not only you personally, but our church can go on and continue to have the legacy that it does. Hey, there's a bulletin, or in the bulletin, excuse me, there's an outline in there for you to follow along with if you have it. I want to encourage you to look at that at this time and look at the points that are found in this passage. The first one is this, and if you want to make the right choice, remember, first of all, you're free to choose. One of the greatest freedoms that we have as humans is the freedom of choice. Now, God could have created us kind of like robots uh, with a built-in program whereby he, when he would command us to do something or tell us this is the right way to live, that we would automatically respond in kind. You just think with AI today and all the stuff they can do, you'd think that God could have programmed us, right? But here's the problem. God wants our love to be genuine for him. And if we don't have the freedom of choice, is our love really genuine? I have a sister. She's about 12 years younger than me. And I can remember way back in the day when my brothers and I would tease her because we were typical big brothers, I regret to say. We would tease her. She would go in her room and get out her little doll. Now, in those days, they had this doll called Chatty Kathy. Now, I found a picture of Chatty Kathy. To me, it looks kind of creepy today when I think about it. But, the, but my sister would find solace because Chatty Kathy, you could pull the string on her neck and you let it go and it would say, I love you. I love you. And so when my brother and I would mercilessly tease my sister, she would go into her room. Now, in all fairness to, to, to dolls and, and girls and sisters and all that kind of thing, you know, if that provided a measure of peace for them, I'm okay with that. But, you know, think about it, the contrast. If God had created us robotic, again, would our love have been genuine? No. Because you have to choose to love. God will never force you or me or anyone else to love him. It's our decision. But see, how many of you know the second point, which is that a wise choice is not always easy? Choice is both a great privilege and yet an awesome responsibility, isn't it? We're free to choose. Think about it. What a privilege. We can make a decision for ourselves. But again, it's, it's an awesome responsibility. You know why? Because God honors the choices that we make. See, in order for our love for God to be genuine, 
God allows us to have many attractive alternatives to following him. Think of it like a meal. If you were to invite Don and me for lunch later and you would offer me, hey, we're going to cook out, we're going to have you know, steak the way you want it, or here, uh, how about some dog food? That's an easy choice. Actually, it's kind of a weird choice if you think about it. That, that, but that's a simple choice to make. But, you know, if you were to say, well, we have two choices. You can only have one, though. You can have steak the way you like it, or you can have sashimi. Now that, that is a choice, okay? <laughs> have you ever noticed that's why sin is always very attractive? That's what makes our choices hard, doesn't it? The good news is that God has not left us alone. He has given us his Holy Spirit to not only live with inside of us, but to guide and direct us and remind us of the value of following him. Third point is this, and that is that people have a variety of gods. They follow, excuse me, a variety of gods. Joshua had told the people there that day, long ago, he had said, if, if serving God is not what you want to do, pick another God. You could serve the ones that you knew about in Egypt. You could serve the ones in the land that you've now come to, the land of the Amorites. You could even serve gods from, you know, where our ancestors came from across the river over here. But he said, you need to choose a God to serve. Because the reality, what he's really saying is, everyone has a God. Everyone. What is God to someone? Well, putting it simply, a, a person's God is their master passion. It's that guiding principle. It's that most influential concept that is most important to them. That's a person's God. Now, of course, today it's, it's become in vogue again for many people to say, well, you know, I, I don't have a God. I, I'm an atheist. I, and I... I have some friends, you know, that, that are like that. Um, some are a bit more honest. They, they won't say there is no God, but they'll say I'm an agnostic. I, I really don't know. But I've discovered that for the most part, when I've really gotten down to it and have conversations with these people, that this kind of rationale that they use, which is, well, you know, I'd like to believe like you believe, but... I just can't have faith in a supreme being without foolproof scientific evidence. Have you talked to people like that before? Okay. But I've, I've found that this rationale really is more or less a smokescreen. The real reason, in my opinion, that someone chooses not to believe in God is because they've already chosen a particular lifestyle that they want to live. And if you even take a cursory look at the lifestyle that Jesus espoused and called us to, people conclude, I don't want to live that way. I don't want to have to change my lifestyle, therefore, I don't believe in God. Do you see my point? It's a choice. You know, to find out who your God is, it's really kind of simple. You just fill in the blank with this Statement, for me to live is blank, and you fill in the gap. Now, in ancient times, people had names for gods, 
At the time of history that Joshua lived in, they had a variety of different gods that were, I guess you could say, popular, well-known. There was the goddess Ashtoreth that many people would follow, the goddess of fertility. Today we become far too sophisticated in our culture to name our gods. That isn't cool to do. And so the reality is if someone was honest today and if they really, in fact, followed Ashtoreth, they'd have to fill in the blank and say, for me to live is sex. Because that's what is most important to them at the end of the day. The tragedy, of course, with this is that many people end up in severe bondage. Just look at the porn epidemic today. And how many people thinking, oh, this is going to be great, end up in utter bondage. In Old Testament times, there was another God, God that went by the name of Molech, which is the God of pleasure. Now today, if a people that had this same God, although they wouldn't necessarily call it by that name, today the people that would follow the God of pleasure today would have to basically say, for me to live is having fun. Because why? They're always looking for the next thrill, the next rush. In fact, many of them may not be here today. Why? Because they're up on the North Shore because the country's up, right? Surf's up. Got to get out there and get that rush, man. I got a number of friends that are tennis players. They aren't here today. You know where they are? They're playing tennis because they woke up and they saw how nice of a day it is, and that's where the fun is because at the end of the day, isn't that what's all about, man, is being happy? You see what I'm saying? Another God that people followed in Old Testament times was the God known as Mammon which Jesus actually spoke about in the Sermon on the Mount. Mammon was the god of not just money, but really power, possessions. Today, a person who follows Mammon would have to say, for me to live is success. Or, like the line, the famous movie line, show me the money. It's because why? Because you see, it's all about the Benjamins, baby. It's all about getting ahead. I'm go- I've got, you know, the license plate, millionaire in the making. I'm going to be this by that. I'm going to be the president. I'm going to be this and that. And, it's, and, and the sad reality is many people who follow that God today end up making the tragic mistake of loving things and using people rather than using things and loving people. I said it wrong. Using things and not loving people. They get out of their backwards, basically. You know, you can call a person's God by any amount of names. That's not what really matters. Or today, the most probably popular version of God is what I would call the Oprahfication God, which basically means I want a little of this, and I'd like a little of that over there, and a little of that over here, and a little of that over here, and I get come up with my custom God. Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? That's the most popular one. But the key issue at the end of the day is who or what is at the center of your life? Now, I've talked to many sincere Christians over the years that have struggled with this idea, meaning I really do want Jesus Christ to be first in my life. 
but they struggle with what I would call a, a more or less a traditional model of prioritizing God to be first in your life. Basically, it looks like this, and maybe you've done this or, or heard this or whatever, but it's like you list things, and you would look at it in a numerical thing, like God is first, your spouse is second, family third, career. Do you know what I'm saying? But the problem is sometimes things happen in life. Things go sideways. Uh, I was thinking about you know, my son and his wife uh, living on Maui with our two grandsons. So let's say you have one, maybe two kids sick. Do you think they're living a balanced life? When you spend time and you have to focus on your family so much and then you think, well, I'm not putting you first, God. And by the way, that can get mixed up a lot of different ways when you use this kind of formula. And there's a struggle. So some years ago, I sat down with a friend and I thought, well, I'm kind of reformat this somehow to look at it in a different way. Because to me, this is just guilt-inducing. Okay, What does it really mean to put Christ at the center? Well, th this is kind of the the diagram that my friend and I came up with. I hope you can see those words. It's a little small, but if you, in this kind of a thing, in this kind of a pie chart thing, Christ is always at the center. And you've got your career, your finances, lifestyle, your family, health, discipleship, church, devotions. And by the way, you know, one problem with Excel is usually the pie pieces are all the same size. Okay? How many of you know that isn't always reality in life, though? There are seasons you go through. If you're caring for an aging parent, do you think you have a ton of time to spend in discipleship? Maybe not for a while. Or maybe you're at a stage in your career or family life or, or you have health concerns or somebody else and you're trying to help them and those things get a little out of whack. The key thing to me to answer is, is Christ still at the center of my life? Does that make sense? So the question again is, if you were asked to fill in the blank, for me to live is, what would you say? You know, if a person's God is pleasure or passion or power or whatever else, okay, it's not going to ultimately provide you with what you really long for on the deep inside. And that is particularly true when you were on the edge of eternity. You know, as a pastor, I have a number of unique privileges and responsibilities, one of which is to spend time with people who are, in fact, near the end of this life and they're getting ready to go into eternity. And as I've spent time with different people over the years, the people whose God is, well, one of the ones that I just listed, they're not at peace. They're struggling. They have a lot of regret. Of course, I do my best to encourage them to turn to Christ and the things that I can do on my side, but those that have walked with Christ, I mean, there's no substitute for being able to face eternity knowing I'm forgiven. I'm going to be with Christ in heaven forever and ever. There's no substitute for that. You could have had all the money in the world. You could have had the most fun of anybody. You could have been more powerful than anybody. But at the end of your life, what do you want? 
again, having had the privilege of working with both Pastor Gallagher and Pastor Ron, I can assure you that when you ask them that question, and especially today, being that they're both in heaven now, for me to live, they would have filled it in like the Apostle Paul did in Philippians 1 verse 21. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. The last point is this, probably the most important. And that is that the God you follow determines your future. You know, to choose is to risk. And, you know, when you take risks, sometimes you make bad choices. I was thinking back, I was going through a box and saw some pictures of 70s clothes. Now, that isn't me, okay? But I found some stuff that I used to wear, and I looked at it, I thought, did I, did I really wear that, you know? It's like, you know, you shred it, and then you burn it, okay? Sometimes, you know, you, you wear something like John Travolta did. I don't know who the girl is. But anyway, you got the Saturday night, you know, the Bee Gees in the background, okay? Uh, 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 staying alive. Okay, whatever. The point is, is if you live past, through that area, God bless you, okay? okay? By the way, one benefit of living longer is, you know, you can keep some of those clothes in your closet long enough, they might come in fashion again. I wouldn't wear it, but... Some things you can get over in life. <laughs> you can get over bad fashion statements. But listen, sometimes when you make bad choices, it has a difficult consequence. It leaves scars, doesn't it? Because you see, we're free to make our own choices, but we are not free to choose the consequences, are we? The good news is that the God we serve, the God of the Bible, is the God of another chance and another and another. And only Jesus Christ can take the messes we make of our life and actually turn them around for good. You know, Joshua, here in his senior years, said this. He said, you know, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Meaning he was speaking not just for himself, which ultimately each of us has to do, but he was speaking for his family, his larger ohana. You know, if you grew up in a Christian home, if you had the benefit of growing up in a godly family, be grateful. You know, the chance to learn about Jesus from an early age is a unique blessing. But you know, there comes a time that everyone needs to move out from under his or her parents' umbrella and make a choice themselves as to which God they're going to serve. I'm so grateful that our two children have chosen to follow the Lord. As I think now and I see my grandsons, wow, what a joy to see them learning about God at a very young age. What a privilege. What a responsibility. And yet, you know, it's not just my family that matters or your family. What about our church? One of the things that I can tell you is for sure is that our church has had a long time entrenched commitment to what's called intergenerational ministry. 
we want to reach not only your kids for Christ or grandkids, we want to reach kids in our school, we want to reach kids in our community. Why? Because that's what God is calling us to do and who he's calling us to be. Listen, it's not too late for you or your family if you want to start today to help to reach them for Christ. But you have to choose. And in a similar way, we have to choose as a church. Are we going to continue to reach out to the next generation? I mean, we, we laugh when we see a thing about fraternity guys trying to move a couch over the railing. Talk about an epic fail. Listen, if our church does not reach the next generation for Christ, that will be an epic fail. And I do not want to be a part of an epic fail. Do you? See, Joshua chose to serve the Lord, and that was a wise choice indeed. And in his talk, he went into some length showing the people, reminding them of, number one, how, how faithful God is, that God keeps his promises, he keeps his word, about how powerful God is, how he had delivered them out of the bondage that they had been in in Egypt, and not just that. He didn't just get them out of that. He led them in. He gave them the wherewithal in order to, to move into what was called the promised land. And he said that God is good. As long as his people followed him, they were blessed. They prospered. The tragedy is in the book of Judges, just a couple chapters after this chapter 24 in Joshua. It says there arose a generation who did not know the Lord. See, it only takes one generation. We are committed as a leadership here, and I hope you are too. And I'm challenging you today to make a choice to serve Christ from your heart, in, not just individually, but in your family, but also as a church. I'm challenging you. See, life is full of choices. Some are trivial, like, I don't know, what you ate for breakfast today. I mean, you know, I don't know what your energy level is going to be, but again, you can make a bad choice for breakfast and usually survive. But the choice you make regarding the God you serve, the God we will serve, has an impact not just on today, but your lifetime and for the future generations. Amen. See, God has provided us a wonderful example. Of Pastor Ron, his faith. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Dear God, thank you again for the privilege of being able to choose. And today, Lord, as we conclude this message, I just thank you for the opportunity to look to you for your strength, for your encouragement, for your hope. Lord, as we are here today, we ask that you would continue to empower us, 
to live for you. And Lord, I want to pray for those who are struggling today, trying to make a choice. If you need to make that choice today, friend, I want to encourage you to choose right now to commit your life or recommit your life to God. While every head is bowed and eyes closed, if you want to do that, just pray with me right now. Dear God, just thank you for Jesus. Forgive me for all of my blunders, Lord, taking wrong turns. But Lord, thank you that you allow U-turns. And I pray for every person that's making a choice today that they would be clear and choose you. And you know, as if you made that choice today, I want to ask you to go another step. And at the end of the service today, there's a little box on the bottom of your outline in your bulletin where you can sign and date it. Don't give it to me. This is between you and the Lord. Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord.